0: Hey, thank you for listening. Did you know I have a YouTube channel? I have over 130 different videos. I have videos with more scary stories told in the rain, scary stories by a crackling fire, and I also have videos that are less relaxing and more on the scary side. Go check it out, and please don't forget to subscribe. In the YouTube search bar, just type being scared. All right. Catch you later. When I was growing up, I lived in rural Alabama, about 30 miles north of a place called Mount Pinson. There really wasn't anything around, just houses. Nothing like a neighborhood in the traditional sense. No stores, nothing. We had one police officer, and he was pretty friendly. He was my best friend's uncle, he would often let us ride around with him because nothing really ever happened. There wasn't a recorded murder or anything beyond someone being drunk and a public nuisance. He didn't even arrest people for that. He would just ferry them home. We had this lady who was all alone. Her husband had died a few years earlier, and she was very lonely. She called this one cop over everything If some kids were in her yard playing, she would call this cop, saying she was being harassed. She did it because she was lonely and just wanted the company. No one could figure out why she wasn't just nicer to the kids, or anyone around the neighborhood. One day there was this new kid kicking around near this little spot that we liked to hang out. It had a nice climbing tree and a rope swing. My friend and I, being interested in this kid introduced ourselves. He told us stories of living in a big city and how fun it was. We were mesmerized at the time. He taught us some new games to play. We generally had a good time. Unfortunately, his father was a real jerk. It turned out this kid was the mean old lady's grandson and his father had lost his job and went back to stay with his mom while he recuperated. Since the kid was around, she had warmed up a little to us and would invite us over for snacks and stuff. We obliged being kids because we were always down for some free treats. One day, the new kid never showed up to our little spot again. We figured he was busy with his grandma and was just doing other things. A couple of days went by and my friend told his uncle. His uncle said that he would take a look. He let us tag along because he never imagined anything weird happening. It took about ten minutes to make it up the windy dirt road to our house. It was quicker just to walk through the field. It took maybe two minutes to do. Well, we got up there and he instructed us to stay by the car. And we obliged. He knocks and knocks. No answer. Their car is there. He knocked again, this time louder. No answer, so he circled around to look in the back. My friend and I decided to try knocking ourselves. It didn't seem like a bad idea at the time. We went up to the door and knocked. Nothing. My friend grabbed the doorknob and turned it, and I asked him what he was doing, and he pushed the door open. We both almost threw up instantly. It was like the smell was a physical force and pushed up against us. It was so vile. You can't even imagine. My friend's uncle made his way around and when he got to the porch, by the smell, he knew immediately what had happened. He instructed us to go to the car and wait. He went inside to look around and then came bolting out of the house and threw up on the grass. He had tears in his eyes. Not like he was crying, but because he had just seen something that nobody is supposed to see. He went to his car to contact someone. My friend took off, and I went after him. He was intrigued, and so was I. I felt a little more bolder following him in. We tiptoed inside, and the first room was completely clean. Nothing to see. But then... We walked into the kitchen and saw that the kid was stuffed into the oven, burnt. He had clawed at the glass front of the door and actually scratched it. You could see his hands, his face. It looked like he was still alive trying to get out. My friend and I just sat there in complete shock for what seemed like eternity. It was so surreal. My friend's uncle snapped us back to reality as he came running in the house and grabbed us, screaming, yelling, telling us never to disobey him again. He took us both outside, and we just sat there. The entire evening we didn't say a word to each other or anyone. My friend's uncle dropped me off later. I never saw my friend again. The uncle said that he couldn't handle it and went to live with some family members in the city. My family moved a year later. I've never been near that house again. The uncle ended up drinking himself to death because of depression. A farm that was near that house ended up having some sort of infestation, and they lost all of their crops. This weird circle of death seemed to expand around that house. When I was growing up, my little brother, who was three at the time, used to sleepwalk through our house at night. He would walk down to the basement where I slept and crack open my door between 11 and 2 a.m. He would then slowly push it open and shuffle inside. When I would ask what he was doing, he would always stare at the floor and say, Where's mom? I would tell him that she was upstairs, and he would repeat, where's mom each night I would take him back upstairs and lead him back to bed where he would fall asleep one night at about 1am I awoke to hear crying at the bottom of the stairs I walked out to investigate and he was sitting on the bottom step I asked him what was wrong and again he said where's mom I told him she was upstairs and we should go get her No, he said, staring at the floor. There's a bloody head following me. What? I asked. He looked up from the floor, stared me right in the eyes, opened his mouth, and let out the shrillest blood-curdling scream I have ever heard in my life. It scared the living hell out of me. It was so loud that the whole family got out of their beds to see what was going on, after that, I had never asked him what he was doing downstairs, I would just take him immediately back to his room. This happened in 1996, I was in my mid-twenties. For a quick background and setting, I am a female and I was living with my parents at the time. This was prior to smartphones, and I did not have a cell phone of my own. My parents' home was on a residential street in New York State. Blue-collar neighborhood, commuting distance to New York City. We lived down the street from an industrial area. A few old factory buildings that blended in with the houses, and ultimately led to the town park and swimming pool, with the town dump beyond that. A strange mix of comforting suburbia, and desolation. If you left my front door, went left down the block, and then hung a left at the first corner, you would be at the small gated entrance to the high school football field. The field was completely surrounded by a very tall chain link fence with a few gated entrances. This small entrance was the only way to get into the field unless there was an event happening. The field was adjacent to the first of the factory building parking lots. I felt very lucky to be so close to the field, because it had a track around it. The track ran directly around the field, and separated it from the two large sets of bleachers. This was an old stadium, even in the 90s, and while the home bleachers had been updated to metal years before, the visitor bleachers nearest the entrance were still wood. The track was dirt. It was softer on the knees than concrete so I liked to nip down there in the morning before heading to my train, and do a quick two or three mile run for exercise. I usually had the track to myself in the mornings. Of course, lots of days I didn't make the morning run, so if I got home before sundown, I would head down and run in the evening. The evenings were different, usually more populated. This particular evening, I was really pushing the daylight but I wanted the exercise. It was summer, so I want to say it was around 7.30 or 8, but getting more toward dusk. There are the usual neighborhood guys playing soccer on the field, and three other folks on the track walking or running. A middle-aged man, an older woman, and a woman a little older than me, in a pink running suit, or maybe just pink sweats and hoodie. I was feeling annoyed, because it had rained and the track was not in great shape, so there were still muddy patches and uneven parts. It was hard to keep your pace when you had to dodge them, along with watching for other people. I was wondering if the other people on the track had been there a while. Maybe they would finish up, so I could have the track to myself? That would be perfect. I was getting into it, listening to my music, and after three or four laps I looked around to see that the older woman and the middle-aged man were gone. Yes, just the soccer guys and the pink lady now. I was doing my best to keep away from her on the track. The soccer guys started to gather up their stuff and walk off the field toward the gate, at the corner by the old bleachers, dispersing back to their homes. It's just me and her now. I glanced back over my shoulder to see where she was, She was closer to me than I had thought she should be, so I picked up the pace. She can't have much longer. Maybe I'll get my last mile in, in peace, I think. Then, I see she is gaining on me. She's picking up her pace, and I notice she is looking at me. She's looking at me, expectantly, like she wants something from me. Do I know her? I really don't want to get into a conversation right now. I go a little faster as I'm passing the home side bleachers. She breaks into a full-on sprint and is suddenly on my left reaching out to grab my arm. I'm startled. We both stop in our tracks and I pull off my headphones. She leans in close and says low and slow. I was going to leave earlier, but you were still here and I didn't want to leave you alone. Oh, great. I back up and start to cut her off, and tell her that I'm fine, no problem. But then, she says it. There's a man under the bleachers. At that point, I looked past her across the field, and I see him, sitting under the old wooden bleachers all the way at the back, against the cement wall, kind of blending in. I can make out the grayish hair, beard, and white tank top. He's just sitting there on something. A bucket, maybe? Watching. I can't stay any later, she said quietly. I have to go. Be careful. She starts to walk away. Thanks, I said. I'll walk out with you, because I have nothing to prove, and I'm going to cut my run short tonight. As we headed out of the gate, keeping an eye on the bleachers, she said something that stuck with me. She looked up at the tall fence around the narrow opening and said, One way in, one way out. She got in her car, we waved, and I headed down the block to my house as she drove off. I told my mom about it and we decided he may have just been a homeless man sheltering under there. I would still use the track while I lived there, but only if there were other people. I always looked under the bleachers. I never saw the man again, and I never saw the pink lady again, either. I did see the soccer guys and the older woman and middle-aged man, and lots of other folks, but not her. When I think back on it, it still freaks me out that I ran past him several times that night and did not notice him. And I wouldn't have noticed him if it wasn't for that nice woman. She purposely stayed with me and made me painfully aware of how often I was running in what amounted to a cage with just one way in and one way out. My grandparents lived on a farm in the middle of Nebraska. They had just gotten married, moved in together, and had their first baby. The baby was only a few months old and needed to be watched, but it was early morning and the cows had to be milked. My grandfather couldn't have done the work alone. He needed my grandmother to help. The labor was easy and only took a short while to be finished, and the baby, my aunt, had been fed a while ago, and was sleeping soundly. So my grandfather and my grandmother both went to the barn to milk the cows, leaving my aunt asleep. They finished milking the cows, and my grandmother heads back to the house while my grandfather stays in the barn to continue working. But when she approaches the house, my grandmother notices the door is ajar and swinging gently in the wind. She figures it is probably nothing, but is nervous just the same. She calls for my grandfather, who reluctantly comes to soothe her nerves. They enter the house together and hear the sound of the toilet flush just ending. It was strange, but farmhouses in this area at this time had rather shoddy plumbing. So while they become more nervous, they remained calm. They then picked up their paces and headed towards the cradle where my aunt was screaming. The light hanging down from the ceiling is swinging violently as if it was just thrown on. My grandmother goes to pick up my aunt and notices a black hair on her white gown. Both of my grandparents had white blonde hair, and there is no one around, and there is no reasonable explanation for this hair being there. My grandmother becomes hysterical when my grandfather notices the latch to the attic is swinging, as though someone had just crawled up inside of it. He goes towards it, readying himself to open it. My grandmother lunges at him and convinces him in between her sobs to leave instead. They jump in the truck and drive to town. They never found out if anyone was in the house or not. However, a week later, Charlie Starkweather was found less than 30 miles away from their home. He was, I believe, the largest serial killer in America for a short time when these events transpired. My family used to rent a house in town along with my aunt and uncle when I was very young that we eventually moved out because of very strange things that happened while we lived there. But the most memorable and final straw was the night that my aunt was using the toilet and just happened to look down at this small hole in the floor that had been there since we moved in and she saw a man standing in the basement looking right back up at her smiling. My aunt ran out of the bathroom and screamed for my uncle. After explaining to him that there was a man in the basement, my uncle went and got my dad, and they both went down the basement stairs, where they found nothing but footprints in the dirty floor, where someone had been standing and moving around, directly underneath the hole. I was super excited to get my first apartment. It was in an old antebellum house that was split into four units, a very cool place to live. However, every time I was taking a shower, I would get this overwhelmingly creepy feeling, like somebody was watching me. Then the dream started. I kept dreaming about this old lady in a pink nightgown. Sometimes she just looked frail and sweet, and she would say that I should go with her, she never said where we would go. Other times, the dreams were terrifying. Her eye sockets were empty. Her hair was greasy, stringy, and falling out. Her mouth was twisted in a tormented scream, and she would frantically claw the air, trying to grab me. The longer that I lived there, the more menacing the dreams got. Also, the feeling of unease and the feeling of being watched in the shower increased dramatically. By the time we moved out, I couldn't close my eyes in the shower. It sounds silly, but I had this overwhelming feeling that I was going to die if I had my eyes closed for too long. After moving out, I discussed all these weird feelings with a friend of mine who had recently moved into a house across the street from the old apartment. I was trying to laugh it off. He said that another friend of his used to live in the apartment above mine several years ago. An old lady died in what used to be my apartment. Nobody else wanted to live in that unit for more than a couple of months at a time. The building recently burned down. The fire started in my old apartment. They still don't know what started the fire. It still creeps me out when I think about it. I remember when I was a kid, one night I woke up in the middle of the night to get a drink of water. I went downstairs to the kitchen, and was surprised to see my little brother standing at the back sliding glass door. I stepped out of the kitchen to see what he was doing, and found that the sliding door was open, and my little brother was talking to what I assumed was himself. As I approached him, I heard him say, I said, no, you can't come in here. Obviously, this was surprising, and since I couldn't see well in the dark, I asked who he was talking to. He turned to me with his eyes half open and said, the man outside. I turned and looked out into the darkness, but I couldn't see anyone. I closed the door and put my little brother to bed and spent the rest of the night confused and scared beyond belief. The next morning my little brother had no idea what I was talking about when I brought it up. When I was a kid, I used to ride my bike almost daily to the local library branch a few blocks from my home. One day when I was about eight, I rode down to the library like I normally did, parked my bike by the bike rack near the back entrance to the building, went in and browsed for whatever an 8-year-old boy would read, checked out a few books, and left the library. When I came out, there was a man standing over by the bike rack. I didn't think anything of it, so I just went over to get my bike so I could go home. As I went to get on my bike, he said, Hi, my name is John. Then he asked me, What's your name? I was a stupid kid, so I told him. And then he said, I work with your mom, you know. What is her name again? So again, stupid kid, I told him. And then he said, Well, she wanted me to show you something over there behind those trees. In hindsight, and upon many years of reflection upon this incident, the guy sounds like the most inept kidnapper in history. It's like he was reading from the script of how not to abduct a child. However, it was 35 years ago, and the most education kids got about this kind of thing was just don't talk to strangers. My parents were great, but this was just not something people worried about all that much back then. I was a bit creeped out when he said that my mom wanted him to show me something in the trees, and my radar for this is weird went up. I politely declined the invitation to the woods, and hopped on my bike to pedal home. As I turned away, he grabbed the bar on the rear of my seat, to keep me from pedaling away. Now, I was scared. I jumped off the back and re-entered the library. I made my way to the circulation desk, and asked if I could use the phone. The woman at the desk told me that the phone was not for public use, so I left the library again from the back entrance. The front was always locked. Happily my bike was still there, and the creepy man was gone. Thinking nothing of it, I jumped on my bike and set off. About a block from the library, I noticed a brown car at a stop sign on a side street. I looked again, and I saw the creep behind the wheel. I realized many years later, and not at this time, that he knew my route home, which means he must have followed me from my house to the library. Whenever I think of this now, it gives me a sick feeling knowing that he could have taken me any time he wanted, on my way to the library. I was probably saved by something as random as someone walking a dog, or grabbing their mail, and he didn't want any witnesses. I pedaled faster once I spotted him and he pulled out onto the main road. I was on the sidewalk, and he was following me closely. When my bike sped up, he sped up, all the while screaming and pointing at me. By now, I was screaming too, and moving pretty quickly for an eight-year-old on a five-speed, carrying library books. And no, I never thought to drop the books. I quickly turned onto a side street, and he was moving too fast to make the turn as well, and I saw him turn onto the next side street. The side street I turned on led to my street, but there was a hill that I could not pedal up between my street and I. I got about midway up the hill when I had to get off and walk my bike up. He was parked at the very top of the hill, just staring at me. I literally walked right past him, and I will never forget his stare or the hate in his eyes. I have no idea why he let me walk past him, why he didn't grab me, why he didn't kill me. I got to the top of the hill, got back on my bike and pumped my legs to get home. At this point, my house was less than 500 feet away. He turned his car around and followed me again. I got to my house, dropped my bike and screamed for my grandmother because she was the one home watching me while my parents were at work. The creep sped past my house and turned down a side street. I never saw him again. My parents called the police when they got home. I remember that the creep drove a Plymouth Duster type car, and he was balding and was about 25 or 30 years old. I don't know if he was ever caught, or if he ever hurt any children, his name or anything. All I know... ...is that I have never gone back to that library. It sounds silly, but it's true. And for the next few years, I walked and rode my bike constantly, looking over my shoulder. And now, I am unbelievably protective over my children. I don't trust anyone easily. I don't trust anyone with my children. And my first reaction to a helpful teacher or coach is what is his or her motive or true intention... Not a day goes by that I don't think about that day, and I wonder not, why me? But instead, why not me? My girlfriend was living with her mother at the time, and there was always this little kid from across the street who would just stand and stare at the house. One day her mom is going to get in the car to go to work, when the kid asks who the old guy is that lives with them, and why he never leaves the house. Her mom is pretty puzzled, and asks, What guy? She was divorced, and there were no males living at the house. The kid looks up to the second story window, that he is always staring at, points, and says, The guy who was always standing there staring out the window. Kind of scared, her mom replies that there is no guy that lives with them. She said the kid turned whiter than a sheet and just turned and ran. After that, it was like he did everything he could to avoid the house or even look at it. I was in Taiwan one year when I was younger, and had travelled to a busy night market. These are popular gatherings that usually operate in the evening. Nearby I spotted a sign for a net cafe in a five or six story tall building. Thinking I would fire off some quick emails, I walked into the dark small entrance of the building. The building was older and hadn't been well maintained but it's not out of the ordinary in Taiwan. The entrance just had a dark hallway that led to a small elevator. I pressed the elevator call button and entered. The elevator was uncharacteristically new compared to the building, but I didn't think much of it. Like some Chinese buildings, there wasn't a fourth floor. It's considered bad luck, since four sounds like death. So it just read 1, 2, 3, 5, 6, which was usual. I looked for the floor the Net Cafe was at, the sixth floor, and pressed the button. It lurched into action quietly and began the ascend. When it stopped, I figured it was my floor, so I instinctively began to step out. Right before stepping out, however, the sight outside the elevator stopped me. It was pitch black, only lit by the light in the elevator. It looked like it hadn't been occupied for decades, with some random pieces of furniture covered with white cloth. It was a small building, so each floor were single occupancy, so I could see pretty much the entire floor from the elevator. Thinking I must have gotten the wrong floor, I checked the light, the one that indicates which floor you're on. Strangely, there was nothing. None of the indicators were on, but the floor button to the Net Cafe was still lit, so I knew that I hadn't gotten there yet. All this happened within a couple of seconds, and that's when I noticed a figure moving in the distance of the floor. It was not very visible, but I could make out what looked like a person dressed in some kind of gown, moving slowly towards the elevator. I was thoroughly creeped out, so I started pressing the closed door button. As soon as I pressed it, the elevator light flickered off. I am this close to pissing my pants, and it's actually kind of freaking me out just thinking back to it. The lights flickered back on under a second, and the door closed. The elevator jolted back to life. A few moments later, it opened again to the Net Cafe. I am beyond relieved at this point. I walked out immediately and sat down at a computer. After gathering my wits a bit, I walked over to the cashier's desk and told them what I saw. The girl working there listened, and her face turned white, so I asked her if she had heard anything similar. She told me that she had never experienced it herself but some co-workers and occasional customers have brought it up. Basically, the building has six floors, and the fourth floor had a history. Apparently the floor used to be a hair salon of sorts, until one of the employees killed herself there for some reason. She slit her wrists over the hair wash station and died. The store continued operations despite stories of weird appearances When customers got their hair rinsed, the water would look a little red, like the customer was bleeding, things like that, and a couple of people reported seeing a figure walking away in the mirror. Naturally, the business closed down a few months later. The building owner tried to re-rent the place out, but never had any luck. Most businesses are quite superstitious, and no one wanted to rent the fourth floor, after someone had died in it, even at a very cheap price. Finally, after dropping the price to nearly nothing, a stationary supply store wanted to rent. During the renovations of the floor, however, several accidents would happen. Tools would end up in strange places, a mirror from the previous business shattered when no one was around, and finally, A worker had his hand jammed between the elevator doors when it closed on him unexpectedly. The workers refused to continue working, and finally, the business left, and the building owner finally gave up and shut down the floor. He then had the elevator company come in to replace the panel so that the elevator could no longer go to the fourth floor. Let me repeat that. The elevator was programmed to never go to the fourth floor, it doesn't even have a button for that floor, but for some reason, sometimes when people would take the elevator, it would take them to the fourth floor, and the doors would open, and some, like myself, would see a figure walking around in the dark. When I was a teenager, I was waiting at an abandoned mall in downtown Sacramento to meet a dealer to buy some pot. This was back in the day, so payphones were still functional and in pretty common use. As I was waiting, the payphone in the parking lot started to ring. Keep in mind, it was after dark on the outskirts of downtown, and not another single person was around. Out of curiosity I walked over to the phone and picked it up. The man on the other line asked, Is this Pete? My name isn't Pete and so I said no. The man ignored me and said, Pete, I want you to do something for me. I stated again that my name was not Pete. He ignored me again, and then repeated, Pete, I need you to do something for me, or I will have to kill you. I laughed and told him again that I wasn't Pete. Finally, he said that he knew for sure that I was Pete, and described to me what I looked like. He described me perfectly, down to the color of my pants, and what type of hat I was wearing. I immediately hung up the phone and looked around. There was nobody, and I mean not a single person, anywhere. I got into my car and drove out of there as fast as I could. It was bizarre as hell. Someone was watching me from somewhere. Several months ago, my cat went missing in the woods, and I had to look for him. It was late at night, and the moon was a thin crescent, so the only source of light was my flashlight. I had seen my cat several times, but he seemed to be scared of something. Every time I got close, he would run further away. At a certain point, he got scared of something and ran back towards the house. I started to make my way back, and saw a man. He was just standing there, absolutely still. He had black hair, and a dark jacket on. I could make out all his facial features, except his eyes, where there just seemed to be a shadow. I called out to him, but he didn't respond. I then said, I can see you, you know, and was greeted with silence. I turned and walked a few steps, and then turned around. The man was a few feet closer. I turned, walked some more, and then turned around again. This time, he was partially hidden behind a tree. I didn't need any more warning. I ran as fast as I could back to my house, where my cat was wanting to come in. I locked all the doors and sat on my sofa until I calmed down. Ever since that night, every few weeks, I hear a noise, late at night. It sounds like a rhythmic tapping on my window. There are no trees close to my house, and most of the nights that this has happened, it's not windy outside. Every time, I have been scared to look, Probably for the better. The last thing that I want to see is that man standing there with no eyes.